Welcome to the Squadcast. Hope you're having a great day today. We had a, an amazing morning yesterday. I think it was just a really great time together with God and lots of different things happening, but God was moving and absolutely, yeah. I was, yeah, I was. You know, every now and then you come home. Well, I hope every Sunday, but you know, you some Sundays it's just like, wow, that was, that was so good. God is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those Sundays where it was like one o'clock before I got home, and I was like, oh, well, I just... Yeah, I love that. There's definitely the sense that um, when God... We, and and I, I don't want to say when God moves, because that relies on... We're saying, oh, well, it's up to God whether God... Actually, the thing that came out in the prayer was, wow, actually, he's always wanting to move. He's waiting for us to come. Yeah, absolutely. And so... I think that just that, and that's not necessarily a new revelation, but it was like it's, it sunk in for us in prayer anyway, you know, and so there was just a different spirit. Yeah. And anyway, so I, I just think when I always notice that when there's a, a, we've had such a great time with God in the service, people hang around yes. for a long time. Yeah. I think that's like a real good indicator. Eh? It's almost like we've received this love and now we want to share it with one another. But it's kind of like if you've ever been out to a really great meal and you've had really great company mm. and you've had good food and people do linger. It's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. You don't hang around at KFC. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, oh, man, that, what a great analogy just thinking that yesterday, especially with what Annette shared around communion, that totally. actually, you know, like we got to eat mm. the best meal. You know, I loved what she said, you know, that Psalm 23, you know, he sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And then she goes, and that meal is Jesus. Mm. Like he is the table that's it. that that's he's it. set for us, you know. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, so it was just a really, really great time. And so, uh, yeah, we, we've got a few questions uh, that I didn't get to look at yesterday and just some, some good thoughts. So... Yeah, we're going to dive on in. All right, so uh, you wanted to return. We needed to return to one of the questions from yesterday because I don't know that we necessarily did a really good job of explaining that from stage. So it says, when you think you're planting roots but realise you're actually just settling, not planting, any tips... Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, um, I mean, this can be different. It, it's it, because this is heart stuff. It's really easy for us to look at the outside and observe behaviours, but motives mm-hmm. are always what's really important. And so, um, and I, I think when we talk about the whole idea of settling versus planting, we're talking about the idea of belonging in a lot of ways. And um, and obviously that's something you know that we've got on our wall that we believe everyone belongs. Um, but if you've been to a belong lunch, you also realise that we we're pretty quick to say as well that it's actually not the role of the church to make people feel like they belong, mm-hmm. but that belonging is an inherent right of every human. That's right <laughs> to belong together. But one thing we do say is that belonging is a is a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. What happens, I think, with with that whole idea of belonging, um, is that if we are 
expecting everyone else to provide that sense of belonging for us, we actually are holding our belonging hostage to the choices of others. Absolutely. And But actually belonging is a choice that, that we make to um, participate, to, um, to join together with others in pursuit of this Jesus. That's right. Um, because he is the only one that can provide that life that we're ultimately looking for, that sense of belonging that we're looking for. It's actually in him. Um, and, and as a church family, we want to say that everybody has that right to be in full right relationship with Jesus Absolutely. and find their belonging in him. Um, it was interesting, recently I was talking with Arvish, who is from India, and um, I asked him about what is... What does leadership look like in Indian churches? Because I, I said to him, I feel like most of leadership in the West is based around how do we keep people. Mm. So how do we create leadership environments and structures so that people stay? And I I wrestle with that as an idea. Um, and so he he said something interesting. He said, I've come to New Zealand from India, and he said, I don't understand this hop church thing. He said, we don't have that in India. Mm. Um, people are in covenant relationships with one another. And and so they're, so people aren't disconnecting over small things. Yeah. Um, there isn't a bigger and better church or, you know, th- those things aren't, they aren't their reality. So, um, and so he's struggling with that in New Zealand, finding this environment and this culture and, and it really I mean if we, we talk about the culture of the world coming into the church this is I think one of the primary things the consumerism uh, this idea that that church will provide all of the things that we need um, and ultimately what we're actually doing is making an idol of the church do you think that we sell like become a Christian everything will be okay come to church you'll be blessed do you think we sell the wrong picture we're, 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 there's a bit of a um, bait and switch happening yes. and then people are disillusioned because the church hasn't fulfilled I think so. the next one I think yeah. so yeah and so in a lot of ways church has become their messiah rather than Jesus yeah um, yeah and so I mean that's why in our belong lunch we say that you know we, we won't be able to provide belonging that's right we, we believe you belong but actually this idea of belonging is a choice so it's up to us whether we sink our roots deep mm-hmm. Um, no one else can do that for us, and um, and so you know. So when we talk about um, settling versus planting, I think that there has to be a significant conscious choice that I am not going to settle. Yeah. And so I'm I'm going to I'm going to be a contributor to this church family. I'm going to be a contributor to the environment of. Um, you know the culture of our church. You know all of those sorts of things. Um, uh, there are conscious choices, and I think it's a repeated choice as well. Yes, because it's easy to come in and be like, "Oh, this is new. This is flash. This is this is novel. I'm all in. Let's go. I'll serve anywhere." But then you know to take a break or the stuff can happen. That unless you're intentional, yeah, it's easy to find yourself slipping yes. potentially into being settled rather than planted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and because we live in a world where a lot of things are provided for us, um, it is very easy just to 
um, you know, to disconnect or, you know. Um, but my heart is that we would be a body of people who, like Paul said, you know, so we're looking at this idea in Philippians of um, Paul talking about maturity and, and talking about att- attaining to something. Um, I, I think someone asked the question, what what was Paul saying that we're, yeah. you know, as Paul talked about, you know, we're, um, we might disagree on on things, but let's um, let's hold to what we have attained already together. In other words, he's saying when there's a disagreement, let's not disconnect, but hold yeah. together what to what we have attained. Yeah. But what is it that Paul was encouraging us to press on towards is maturity. Mm-hmm. He's encouraging us to press on towards maturity. Um, and, and I think if you parallel that up with Ephesians 4, you can see mm-hmm. him really nailing down Absolutely. on that. Um, and hopefully we'll get to talk about that uh, in a coming series yeah. at some point. Um, but so this whole thing of maturity is what, this is what Paul was talking about. This is what Jesus wants for his church. Absolutely. This is the thing that we have to hold as the primary goal. Um, and so I think each believer, I think, has to make a conscious choice. Do I want to be a part of that? Or am I... What am I actually looking for from church? Yeah, I think that's a really good question we need to ask. What am I looking for? Do I want to be part of a maturing body of Christ that uh, are, are showing the world what Jesus looks like, or or do I want um, my kids to be discipled in a kids program and me to have some really good worship on a Sunday mm. and then that's it? You know, what what is it that we actually want from this thing called yeah. church? And I think. Um, yeah, the whole idea of, like I said, you know, that our gifts are free. <laughs> Maturity is costly. If you want to be a part of this thing called church, it's going to cost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, um, you know, do we need to um, just remind people what it looks like to be planted? You shared yesterday, Charlotte Gamble mm. had shared. Um, but it is to be connected. It is to be accountable. It is to be participating. It's to allow God to do the pruning um, yeah. So that's some of the cost as well. Mm. Um, and then it's growing into um, to be planted, to, to be a tree as such, as a metaphor, to provide shelter and fruit, um, new life and resource, to be reliable and steadfast, mm. to have deep roots that go down to the water table yeah. that are not just shallow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you, you were talking earlier, um, as we were chatting, you were talking about trees that are in well-watered environments actually don't have deep roots. They don't need them. Yeah, yeah. if the water is close by, they don't need deep roots. Yeah. Um, and those, those trees are going to be dangerous to be under because the first storm, they're going to topple. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, if we want to be a church where we are able to say, come, taste and see that the Lord is good, if we want to be a community of redemptive love, we actually need to be a safe community. Yeah. And and I think when I was lying in bed the other night and saying, God, what does maturity look like? And I just felt him say steadiness. I I think in 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 such a divided world, in such a, in a world that disconnects so quickly over every disagreement. Um, for for people who are hurting and broken to be able to come in and find steadfast people, mm-hmm. f- faithful people, 
that feels safe. Yeah. That's a safe environment for someone to come find some shade, um, unpack their lives, mm. you know, be vulnerable and find hope and healing in Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I think if we could think about that, that um, Jesus, Jesus is the answer. I'm not. That's right. But if I can be steadfast and provide some shade while mm. people find Jesus, then I think I'm doing what I'm called to do. Yeah. I don't need to be Jesus for them. I just need to be the, the safe place for and them. And if you're trying to be Jesus, you're not safe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and so I think, um, you know, so sinking these deep roots, uh, you know, and I think about the critical journey as well. Because, uh, you know, because we talked about that, really that's a picture of Christian maturity. That's right. And the reality of, of that, as we talked about that, only, well, only like 15, 20% of people actually move through that wall. Which is, and that's not even reaching full maturity like there is stages beyond that towards the life of love that's right yeah, yeah. so but if you think about I, I personally think the 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 wall is the place where the roots go deep absolutely um or it is the place where the the deep roots are tested and so yeah. it, if we c- can't create a, a church environment where people can um go through their their doubts and their questions and their crisis and, and come out the other side. We're actually not going to have a church with safe people, yeah, with right. people who have deep roots. And um, and so I think that's the challenge for all of us. You know, my heart is that we create an environment where where people are safe to go through those those things. And it's interesting, even as we were unpacking the critical journey, that I think one of the things that came out of it is that that you can't you can't help someone go through the wall if you haven't. Yes. So, in, in other words, those people that have gone through the wall have now become safe people mm. to help others. But before that, you know, do you know what I mean? Oh, and, and I look back and I think, gosh, just even four years, last, um, on Saturday night, I was able to have a long conversation with someone around deconstruction. Four years ago, I couldn't have had that conversation. I don't think I was a safe person for her. I think I was probably more like, just have more faith. Yeah, or, right. um, you know, and not understanding why on earth they were having these issues with the church and doubts around church. Yeah. They're currently not in church, still love Jesus, not in church. But I've had to grow up mm. to become a safe place where yeah. we can have those conversations honestly before I think I was scared of saying, I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think if we think about, um, you know, what is it that Jesus wants? Jesus wants us to be one. Uh, you know, when whenever Paul was writing about um, what we're attaining or where we're heading, he's always talking about maturity, about oneness, about unity. Um, and I think it's really interesting as well that you see in, in the book of Acts, you've got all of the disciples that are together in one place. And so they're together physically. Um, and then the spirit the Holy Spirit comes, you know, Pentecost, and then you see in Acts 2, they're described as, as being all together in one heart and one mind. And so there is a work of the Spirit that happens that I I wonder sometimes whether we are forgetting about the spiritual aspect of unity, the spiritual aspect of what it is that we're attaining to. And so you look at um, Ephesians 4, and so you've got, 
you know, the maturity, the togetherness, the um, unity. Um, and so this is, you know, like we said before, this is where we're heading. Um, and then Paul talks about um, that we're not in a battle against flesh and blood, mm. but there are principalities and powers. There, yeah. is, there is darkness at work here. And if you think about what is the one thing that Jesus wants, the logical thing to think is what is the one thing the devil doesn't want. That's right. And so I, I think if, like I put a post out um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, um, the, the devil's not scared of a big church. He's scared mm. of a united church. You know, so right. so it makes uh, it makes total sense that the thing that he wants to disrupt the most in a church is unity, is maturity, is all of these things that Paul was saying. Let's press on. Let's hold mm. on to these things that Christ has laid hold of, of us for. Let's press into the, these things. Um, and so there is a spiritual battle going on for our unity, always. Yeah. For our maturity, always. If the yes. devil can keep us. You know, um, distracted dis- and offended. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. he's got us, mm. and um, and so I think we need to be aware of that, like really aware that this is a spiritual battle going on here. And, and I wonder how often, you know, when we maybe do get offended, how quick are we to go? Hmm, what's the devil up to? Or are we just going that person? I do. I forget that there is an enemy so quickly because I get, I do. I will get wrapped up in being upset. And totally yeah. be analysing the situation backwards and forwards and totally forget, yeah, that the enemy is like, great, got her distracted. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, totally. And so so all of these things are going to distract us from what is the mission, that we look like that's Jesus. Right. That's right. Yeah, so I think let's not forget that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and also, so uh, around the idea of struggling to belong, uh, you shared yesterday about our fear of rejection yeah. uh, and how that can cause us to sort of, I guess, tiptoe around the edge of disconnection with people. Yeah. Um, and so we had a question on that topic. Um, and I don't know if you know, but rejection is actually, um, it piggybacks on physical pain pathways in your brain. Right. So like painkillers can actually help with rejection because that's what's happening in our brain at the uh, time. Like MRI studies have showed that like rejection is hidden. That's why it hurts. Yeah, it's physical right, pain. Right. Um, but I was thinking last night about um, uh, David in First King, uh, First Samuel twenty-five, um, and David had a bit of rejection in his life. You can kind of see it in his story. Yeah. Um, and it kind of comes to this pinnacle. Like he's in the wilderness. King Saul has rejected him, trying to kill him, um, because David's in the wilderness with his band of terrible men or what <laughs> I can't remember mighty how, men. they became mighty men I don't <laughs> yeah. think they started that way the rebel um, and and they had kind of looked after this bunch of shepherds for this rich guy Nabal uh, and when sort of festival time came up they're like hey can you hook us up you know we've looked after you can you hook us up and Nabal rips in who is this David and there's kind of this rejection again for David right. and he gets angry and he's going to kill, come kill everyone Nabal's wife hears of it, Abigail, she's super wise. She hustles, gets heaps of food together, all sorts. She comes out to David and she says, my husband, Nabal, he's a fool. That's what his name means, fool. Um, and then she starts to tell David the truth about his identity. Right. And I think sometimes for one another, with rejection, that's what we need to hear. We need to hear, I see you. Yeah. I hear you, you're hurting. It feels real. Yeah. Um, and because we can't be naive about rejection in the church, it no, happens. Totally. Um, yeah, have you got thoughts 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a side thought there. It's interesting. I mean, I've always heard. I need to probably look into this, confirm it, but I've always heard that um, that David's these group of rabble <laughs> that eventually became David's mighty men were actually the rejects from Saul's army. Wow. Yeah, it's a good thought. And so David manages to gather a group of rejected people, and they grow into these wow. mighty men who do insanely amazing yeah. things um, and their loyalty to David mm. is us on a whole other level just risking their lives to get him some water yeah that's crazy and I wonder if that you know has to do with the, David's ability to understand them yeah understand their rejection Walk yep. alongside them, show them that, you know, show them love. And, yep. you know, because at the end of the day, when we talk about rejection, we're talking about fear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fear of rejection that we're yep. feeling. Um, and one of the unfortunate things about fear is that we usually attract the thing that we fear. Yep. And so it's almost like we. Because we fear rejection, we create an environment uh, either where we reject others or um, or we cre- create an environment where it feels like people are rejecting us. That's right. And, um, and then it, in some sense, proves the lie. That's and, right. And it's the cycle the continues loop, yeah. in its continuous loop. That's right. And we end up... Um some people call it echoes, you know, we've got echoes of the past. And so we end up yes. punishing people in our present and our future for something someone else has done yes. years before. Totally, and yeah. And actually we're safe in this moment. That yeah. is just an echo of the past. Yeah. My feelings are not telling me the full story right now, but yeah. it's really hard to stop in that moment. Totally. So this is yes. not the whole truth right now. Yeah, yeah. And so we end up punishing the people who didn't harm us. That's right. For something that happened in the past. And, and so when we look at Paul... Uh, one thing he, he says, he's, this is how he says it, he says, one thing I do. So he, he goes, I have not attained this. Yeah. I know I'm not perfect. I mean, this is Paul. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm not perfect, but one thing I do, I let go of the past mm. and I press on towards the upward call. You know, Isn't like, that good? So he's saying the, the past will no longer define me. I'm pressing on into into Jesus, yeah. into the one who has called me, into the one who's laid hold of me. Um, and so, you know, there's there's something really beautiful there, I think, about that. Um, but then there's also this element of, you know, the sense that p- perfect love casts out fear. And so, um, you know, when we think about fear and the fear of rejection, it, the reality is it can only be loved out. Yeah. You know, and so... Um, yeah, and so... <sighs> We, we, we've got to learn to be good receivers of God's love, you know, and so there's, there can be a tension there because there's all sorts of mental blocks going on yeah. and thinking God rejects me also and, and all of those sorts of things. But um, I, I, one thing I, I know is this, that if we, if we are trying to look for people to love fear out of us, mm-hmm. it will never work. No, that's right. We can't put our worth, our value, our belonging into the hands of others. No. It has to come from God. Yeah. Our, yeah. Your belonging is not conditional. No. You belong to God. Yeah. It's not conditional. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And and 
you know, and I hope that as well with church. And then I think this is what we're trying to communicate with this idea that everyone belongs is, is this, it, it's not that we will provide every sense of your need for belonging. We, we, that's an impossible task. But what we are, are saying is we will never reject you. Yeah. And, and so um, that, that is the only thing that we can boldly say. Um, but what often does happen is, is um, yeah, uh, because of our fear of rejection, we inevitably end up rejecting others before they get a chance. Before they get the chance, you know, and yep. yeah, it's a it's a hard one. Yeah, yeah, definitely some vulnerability uh, and taking the risk to push past. Or to show up. Yes. Uh, even when you want to run. I, I can't fix rejection on someone. Yeah. I think that's the bit that I wrestle with the most. Is. Um, I, I th- or, or like it's the same thing. All I can do is always position myself mm-hmm. to never be the rejector. Yeah. What they do with that is up to them. Yeah. So I'm as a as a leader, as someone who wants to make fully mature disciples, um, I I have to make a decision that I will never ever reject anyone. Yeah. So. Um, and so I think there, there have been times where I have, you know, been maybe regularly meeting with someone, and something's happened, and um, you know, and I've messaged them saying, "Hey, we're on for coffee tomorrow," and they are surprised. So, and in their mind, they were saying, oh, "I'm going to be rejected this time. Right. I've gone too far." Mm. And so, me just saying, "Hey." our regular coffee still happening they're going huh I did that and I still didn't get rejected you know like there has I think that's all I can do I can't Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to model this Jesus who would never reject anyone yeah that's all I think that's all we can do um and and then continually lead them to this Jesus who can who can love the fear out of them yeah yeah, and if you're on the side of rejection, I mean, I've had times where I've believed I was rejected, whether true or really wasn't true, but I've had times where I've sat in my car and I bawled my eyes out, and mm. it's like, actually, again, I was just attracting the thing I was fearing most. I was reading into people's intentions, things that weren't there. Right. Um, and so I had to take responsibility. For me, it was through counselling, to take responsibility to walk through it and go, okay, this is true, this is not true. Um, and just coming back to Jesus and God and what does God say about me? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. My belonging is not conditional. Yeah. And it takes a while for that to sink. And it's part of the wall is going through the wall as well, is that's where the convergence of the emotional and the spiritual yes. well-being all comes together. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, you know, so that's why, you know, I sort of pushed back a little bit on the, one of the questions you say, not, not to... Um, put it down but just saying you know there's so much more here when mm. we took the question about confidence with evangelism because the, the reality is someone can be super confident uh and courageous even sharing the gospel but be uh, 
so emotionally immature. Yeah. And, and my concern with that is, what what are we showing the world? Mm. That following Jesus has been about been about being loud, mm. but continually disconnecting from relationships and emotional immaturity. No, that's not the picture that Jesus wants us to have. If He wants us to show the world that that all of our life comes under the lordship of Jesus. Yeah including our emotional health and the way that we see ourselves, the way we see others, and and this plays out in our, our relationship. So the, uh, in my opinion, the church should be the exemplars in relational Absolutely. stuff. And, you know, I think... We should be known by our love for one another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty clear <laughs> from yeah. Scripture what, what Jesus wants us to be you know focused on yeah so i mean so we ne- so with the um uh you know taking responsibility um for our fear of rejection like so first i think there has to be an acknowledgement that yes i have i have that fear um and i would like to suggest that probably everybody to some degree mm-hmm. has a fear of rejection i i honestly like in, in my book I've, I've written that at at the core of of the orphan heart is fear and at the core of fear is the fear of rejection so mm-hmm. it, i think at the, that is one of like the baseline fears of of every human that has been disconnected from the father right and so um so because it's only in the father that we find our identity it's only in his arms and his love that we find our security uh, and our sense of worth and value and belonging. And so the journey of, of all things being restored back to the original identity is a journey of moving away from the fear of rejection towards love. That's right. And I don't, I don't think that happens overnight. Mm-mm. You know? Nope. But it will happen. You know what I mean? Like it. If, that, if you choose to engage with it. If you yeah. choose to engage with it, yeah. So as you continue this journey of discipleship, you are continually moving towards love. And and if you look at every, I mean, you know, you look at Ephesians four. We've mentioned that a couple of times, and it talks about maturity and and unity and all that. Again, it ends with agape. It always ends Sorry. with love. So where are we heading? We're heading towards love. And the the only way that we can become love is to know love to intimately know the love of this father and to, to receive yeah. that love. And I like I honestly think that um, that yeah, our, our our posture before God is um, the most important thing that we carry. Totally. And so are we are we carrying a posture of receiving, are we carrying a posture of humility and it's in in that posture that we receive as love and this fear is getting displaced because love is filling those mm. those holes that yeah. fear is taking up and eating in our lives, you know. And so love is coming in, fear is being displaced. And and I think ultimately, it, 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 as we are taking that journey, I think our, our picture of church gets realigned yeah. because now we are no longer trying to get from church what we can only get from the Father. Yeah. And so our perspective is real. So I'm not walking in wondering whether I'm going to be rejected. That's right. Because I'm walking in going, I'm going to be shade for those who feel rejected today. I like that. That's good. So that sh- yes. there's that shift that takes place. And so now church is, I- I've got no expectations. I mean, I, I have no, I, 
I think people find I'm like I'm maybe a little bit weird <laughs> with church. I have no, I, I just have very little expectations for church. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I don't have vision. I'm just saying I don't. I'm not. I'm not trying to get church to meet some needs in my life anymore. I certainly did, used to, you know, and man, that was horrible. <laughs> but I'm, I'm in, in a lot of ways, a lot more free from that than isn't, I've ever been. Isn't this kind of the paradox with the cost? Like you say, it was horrible. You've had to go through a cost through growth. Yeah. But then there's freedom. Yeah. You get to shake off all that, the ego and the, yeah, the horrible stuff. Totally. Okay. Yeah. And that, that yeah. kind of freedom is actually... Um, it's really scary for some people mm. because you can't control it. That's right. Like you, you know, sometimes we may come into church or other things and we're trying to control the environment. What we're trying to do is control the environment so that we never get rejected. Yeah. And in doing so, ultimately end up either rejecting it or feeling like we've been rejected by it because yeah. we've tried to control it but freedom is out of control mm. yeah. yeah alright should we have a look at our questions yes. for the squads alright so if you're with your squad or your small group this week um, or maybe just having coffee with someone here's some mm. questions maybe for you to reflect have on have coffee with someone Take yeah. someone out this week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think we put in our squad <laughs> booklet. We'll have a beer with them. Like, however, oh. whatever beverage you're having. <laughs> um, but have a chat. Uh, so the first question, um, which is just reflecting back on something you said before, Michael. So what am I looking for in church? Maybe having a really honest discussion with yourself or someone else. Um, what am I looking for? What needs am I trying to get met when I come to church on a Sunday? Yeah. Uh, so second question, how have I disconnected relationships in the past due to offence or fear of rejection? Um, there might be some repentance, there might be some reconciliation that maybe will come out of that. Uh, do I have areas where I allow fear of rejection to sabotage present relationships? And am I living a life that produces shade and fruit for others? It's mm, great. Some good questions. Uh, just one last one. That I've thought of is, um, you know, what what are you carrying? If we can ask each other, what what are you carrying that contributes to a culture of unity and maturity? Um, you know, we're called to build something that ultimately looks like Jesus, and the reality is we cannot we cannot build something that we're also tearing down. So what are we what are we bringing that is part of the solution? What are we bringing? What are we carrying? And how do we carry it? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, we pray that you have a, a great week. Pray this has been a blessing to you. And we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>